He brushed off its wounds And then watched it soar into the sky If he's mindful of creation On this I can depend I am his child And I can place all my trust
can trust Jesus. He takes care of me. and then no evening service. So I think I got all that straightened out. You want to mark your calendars. As I already said, two weeks from this Sunday, we will begin our Jubilee, uh, and we're going to have a great opening. I'll talk a little bit more about that next week, but we're going to have a great opening to Jubilee. We really, really are. It's going to be awesome. You're not going to want to miss it. We've got some great preachers. We have Brother Ronnie Bearfield. We have Brother Joe Arthur. Uh, we have Dr. Ed Moore. Uh, we have... Uh, uh, we have uh, Clement Chappelle. Uh, we just have a great, great, great group of preachers. We have a fellow, uh, uh, Brother Cody Ladner, and he's from out in Mississippi. You've never heard him, uh, but nearly everybody uh, west of the Mississippi River has heard him. So you be sure and be in the house of the Lord uh, for all of Jubilee. You're going to have a great time. It's going to be a blessing for you. All right, I just wanted to also mention that tonight, immediately after the service, we've got a Sunday Sunday, and you want to go over to the fellowship hall and have wonderful fellowship. I'm going to be there. You're going to be there. The ice cream is going to be there. We're going to have a great time. And if ice cream gives you, uh, like it does me, if it gives you a little bit of, what do you call it, acid reflux? I got some little white pills work great. So, you know, 
Men's devotion uh, Friday, September the 8th at 6.30. Uh, and then Young Adults Bible Study Saturday, September the 9th at 7 o'clock, both in the fellowship hall. Come on down. We're going to take our offering up. So ushers, come on down. You give as the Lord directs. And I know, I know, I know he'll bless you for it. And uh, what a great day it is to be in the house of the Lord. Uh, beautiful weather out there. And I tell you, we've just had no end to beautiful days. Uh, I don't know if you saw it, but I had a big old butterfly uh, that uh, alighting on my wife's flower garden. I took a picture of it and put it on Facebook. Uh, and uh, you didn't get to see it with its wings folded completely out, uh, but it was even prettier then. But it was pretty no matter what. I got to put that on there and had a great, uh, great day uh, enjoying working in the garden on Friday. Uh, how many enjoy working in the garden? How many have to work in the garden even though you don't like it? Okay, I got a lot of hands on that. All right, Brother Bill, would you lead us in our prayer? Lord, we do thank you for this beautiful weather and blessings with the Lord and the opportunity to be in your house today. Lord, we just pray for the services today. Lord, we just ask that you bless the choir as we sing, Lord. For us, the one that brings the message, Lord. Pray for the one that's lost here, Lord. Just pray that today would be the day of salvation for them. Now we just ask that you bless this offering, bless the gift and the giver. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 284, everybody stand.
mercy you shown, but your grace was strong enough to pick us up and you Have, uh, I've just been overwhelmed by a thought this week and, and reading the scripture about how Christ preserves us. And that preserve means to keep us. As I think about that, like I said, I'm just overwhelmed by that thought. To be kept by God. That because of his mercy and his grace, 
There's nothing I can do to be taken out of the family of God. And I'm assured for heaven as if I'm already there. And he keeps me. I think about times in my life where I wasn't faithful to him. And by all accounts, he could have said, that was your shot. I have no use for you now. But he kept me. And I think of times where I had an opportunity to speak for Christ and to testify for him and, and to do something, and I kept my mouth shut. And he could have said that was it. But he kept me. Even with my shortcomings, I'm not worthy. But he keeps me. And then I think at times when, you know, when sickness sets in and discouragement sets in, you feel like just curling up in a fetal position in the corner and just throwing in the towel. But he keeps me. And I'm just overwhelmed by that. And I can look out in this room and see so many people that God has kept. He deserves our praise. And I love him today. I'm thankful to be kept in spite of myself. In spite of anything that I've done. He keeps me. And he's been faithful. And this song is on my heart. I just want Katie to sing it. And just think about how God has kept you. Jenny, God's kept her. I look at Brother John back there. Surgery after surgery, God has kept him. Brittany back there. I shouldn't even name names because there's so many people in this building that God has kept to present you in that day when we stand before the Lord to present us perfect and he keeps us for that. He's been faithful.
shake somebody's hand, greet somebody as they come down. the book of Acts, as I came to this passage, I kind of felt like I hadn't been uh, in the book of Acts in a while, but I've been preparing this message for a while, but this last week as I came back and was preparing and getting ready again, I really kept thinking, when you go to preach through a book of the Bible and you're going, you know, kind of verse by verse, chapter by chapter, however you want to look at it, sometimes you come across them and you're like, wow, is this really... Uh, what we need for right now. This feels more like uh, a Sunday night uh, lesson type of thing and all of that. But uh, I just could not, uh, the Lord really impressed upon my heart, this is what's needed for this morning. And uh, so I'm really praying that the Lord will use it. Uh, I kind of have, I have like four outlines in this one. It's like you could go, it's like a flow chart more. Uh, have you ever seen a flow chart? Like it could go this way or it could go that way. So we'll see what happens this morning. And we'll just let the Lord direct it and uh, ask him to help us. And, uh, but I am, I'm, I'm excited to preach this uh, because I do think it's needful. I'm thankful to come in the house of God and worship and uh, feel the Holy Spirit move. Amen. And also just know that, uh, again, and I say it a lot how much I appreciate Daryl. And uh, it's just amazing. The Lord let us grow up together. The Lord let us be in this church together. And now that we serve together, it's just a privilege. And uh, I, I know that he prays and he spends time in the word of God so that when he comes on a Sunday morning to minister to our hearts in song, it just, then the Holy Spirit comes, doesn't he? And it's evident that he's done that. I just thank the Lord for that. It makes, it makes preaching so easy. It makes ministering at our church so easy. And uh, man, I'm just thankful this morning uh, that we could uh, take that time and worship. But if you found Acts chapter 15, I just want to read verse number 1. And uh, stand with me. We'll read that one verse. We're going to make mention of verses all throughout the chapter this morning. There's 41 verses in, the, in chapter 15, so I wasn't going to read them all. 
But he says there, And certain men which came down from Judea taught the brethren and said, Except ye be circumcised after the manner of Moses, ye cannot be saved. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for the opportunity to just again open up the Word of God, preach it this morning. You know what's on my heart, dear God, and I believe that you uh, have a very specific message that you want to share with your people this morning. I believe it will bring us to a place of, uh, of where a decision needs to be made in our own life of how we're going to live it and how we're going to treat the gospel of Jesus Christ. Dear Lord, this is, this is our message. This is the main thing. It is the point of being here. If we miss this message, if we miss uh, the gospel, if we miss its clarity and its beauty, if we, if we get lost in the complexity and forget about the simplicity, Lord, we, we've missed the whole picture. So this morning, help us once again to focus on the gospel of Jesus Christ. Help us also, dear God, to, to put some clarity in our life about what is necessary and what is unnecessary. Help us this morning, we pray. Use your word to speak to us in a mighty, mighty way. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Now, we've been studying the book of Acts. I've been trying so hard to make sure that uh, we keep an, an idea of what's going on so that as we approach the scriptures... We're not just looking at them and saying, well, what does this mean? And trying, we are saying, why is this happening now? What is taking place? So just to remind you, we, get, we, we preach these messages about Paul's missionary journeys. He goes out uh, and he goes out with Barnabas and he has a great missionary journey. He comes back and he revisits the churches. And I enjoyed so much preaching those and he appoints elders, and we talked about some church government things and all of those type of things. And then we see that they return to Antioch at the end of chapter 14, the place that they were sent out. They're serving the Lord again in their local congregation, praying about what God would have them to do, uh, and building that church again there at Antioch. And while they are building that church, while they are working on that church, Chapter 15, verse number 1, takes place in that church. Notice what it says. And certain men which came down from Judea taught the brethren and it said, Except ye be circumcised after manner of Moses, ye cannot be saved. Now, I'm not, we're going to look at this a little bit, but what I want you to understand first about this passage of Scripture is these men are coming into this church and they are sowing discord in that place, okay? We, we can talk about all of the type of what it means, the different stuff, but basically they come into a church that is preaching that you are saved by faith in Jesus Christ and by faith and grace alone, okay? That's what they've been preaching to the Gentiles. That's what they've been preaching to the Jew. That's what they've been preaching every place they go. And these men come into their church, come into their church and say, listen, 
you also have to follow the law of Moses if you want to be saved. I'm, gonna, I'm not going to make this hard or belabor the point or any of those things this morning, but that is untrue, okay? We've got a, a myriad of scripture that speaks about that we are saved by faith in, in Christ Jesus alone. The book of Romans basically is a defense of that whole thing. We are saying, and these men come in, and they bring something that's false. And I want to be careful as how I present this message this morning, because I can belabor these points that, that would talk about it. But I want you to notice two things that are going on. And I feel like the Lord's already directing me this morning about which way that will go. As we go through this passage of Scripture, we see that there is conflict number one. There is, a, there is an issue or a dispute that is coming, number one. And that is the fact that these men come into the church and preach to them that you are going to be saved another way. When we go to verse number two, just so you know, it is definitely a dispute. Verse number two, when therefore Paul and Barnabas had no small dissension and disputation with them, they determined that Paul and Barnabas and certain other of them should go up to Jerusalem under the apostles and elders about this question. So Paul and Barnabas say to them, listen, we got a problem. What you're preaching is untrue. We believe it's untrue and we got a problem. Okay, now that's problem number one. All right, now I want you to go all the way over to the end of this chapter to verse number 37. Okay, verse number 37. Let's, let's go back to verse 36. It'll help us a little bit. And some days after, Paul said unto Barnabas, let us go again and visit our brethren in every city. I'm just going to tell you, if you've been reading the book of Acts and you've been enjoying the narrative and going through it, and here you got Paul and Barnabas, they've come home to Antioch, they've, they've had this amazing missionary journey, they're working in their church, and then Paul looks at Barnabas one day and says, Barnabas, let's go back and let's visit all the churches. I don't know about you, but that just kind of makes me happy. He's like, hey, let's go back and let's, let's do it again. Let's preach. Let's go out there and see what the Lord will do and how he'll open doors. Now remember, that was not the most pleasant of trips for Paul and Barnabas, was it? He got stoned once. He got ran out of town. He got called all kinds of names. He caused all kinds of problems. But you know what? The gospel of Jesus Christ motivates us and pushes us to do things that we would never do on our own, go to places we would never go on our own. And if I really had the time, I'd park it right there and preach that. If you are interested in the furtherance of the gospel of Jesus Christ, you will not be deterred by whatever stands in your way. If the gospel of Jesus Christ has changed your life drastically and radically, then you are severely concerned about getting that gospel to a lost and dying world that needs it. We need some more Christians uh, who are not looking at the opposition and not looking at all of the hills and all of the valleys and all of the down points, but are just looking at Christ and saying, we got to get the good news out there to those that need it. Anyway, like I said, I could park it. Maybe I did. I don't know. That's up to you. 
we got to get the gospel out. He looks at Paul, and he, or Paul looks at Barnabas and said, let's go again. Let's go see our brethren where we have preached the word. Let's see how they do. Notice this. And Barnabas determined to take with him John, whose surname was Mark. But Paul thought it not good to take him with them, who departed from them from Pamphylia and went not with them to the work. And the contention was so sharp between them that they departed asunder one from the other. So Barnabas took Mark and sailed to Cyprus. And Paul chose Silas and departed, being recommended by the brethren under the grace of God. Disputation number two in our text. You see what happened, didn't you? I don't have to explain it to you. I don't have to do a bunch of exegesis on this one. You understand it. Paul says, Barnabas, let's go. Barnabas says, let's give Mark another shot. Paul says, I don't want to give him another shot. Paul said he, he was unfaithful. He, he couldn't stand up to it. Barnabas said, I think we should give him another shot. They could not come to an agreement. So Barnabas takes Mark. Paul takes Silas. You know that story, or maybe you do, but that's what happened. The contention was sharp between them. They went separate ways. We have two different disputes that are in this passage of Scripture. Now I want to start this out and make sure that we understand how these flow. All I'm going to do this morning is just with a few points, we're going to look at how, how are these things handled. What's going on? This is where I told you, this didn't feel like a Sunday morning sermon to me, but I'm telling you, for some reason, the Lord wouldn't leave it alone, and it said you need to go ahead and preach this this morning. There are similarities in how they handle these disputations, and then there's also things that are not similar in how they handle them. And I want us to look at those this morning. Uh, and, but I, I've got to start this passage of Scripture. Well, no, I don't. We can, we, can, we can understand this like this. So here we go. I'm going to make this really, I'm going to try to make it pretty quick. Number one, number one, the dispute, the, the, the dispute between them, when we look at the first dispute, it was doctrinal. Okay? It was doctrinal. And what I mean by that is I mean it had to do with the teaching and the preaching of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And the second one was not doctrinal. Okay? It was not. I point that out because it is so important for us to be able to recognize the difference in the type of disputes that we're having inside of our churches. Okay? This is so important. Now, the first, when we come to this, why is this the first dispute? Why is this doctrinal? Because what does it concern? It concerns the, the gospel of Jesus Christ. There is absolutely nothing that is more foundational to what we preach and what we do. And this is where I was saying, I almost felt like the Lord might lead this message this morning to go in this direction to remind us and to drive home once again the importance of the gospel of Jesus Christ. 
The gospel is everything that we do. If it is compromised in the slightest, if it is diluted in the slightest, if we miss one of the major points of the gospel, then what we are doing turns into vain and we end up with, with false converts and false prophets. That's what we have. And you might say, and I just got to do it this morning because it's just right there. What is the gospel of Jesus Christ? Well, it hangs on the person of Jesus Christ, the virgin birth of Jesus Christ, the supernatural deity of Jesus Christ, that he was born of a virgin and that he was all God, yet all man. You cannot waver on that point. Okay? We cannot waver on that point. We are going to stand in the perfect life of Jesus Christ. He lived a complete and perfect life. Perfect in every way, without fault or without blemish. We are going to preach that the atoning death of Jesus Christ was satisfactory for our sins. We are going to never compromise on the fact that what Jesus Christ did on the cross was pay for the sins of the whole world. We are going to preach the imputing resurrection of Jesus Christ. When Jesus Christ rose from the dead, he has then been given the ability to give me his righteousness. And without that, if I, don't, I can believe everything about Jesus... But if I don't believe he rose from the dead, I have, I'll never be righteous in the sight of God. Did you know that? I'll never be righteous. It's not just enough for you to believe in the sacrificial death of Jesus Christ for your sins. But most of the time, that's all we talk about. Oh, praise the Lord, Jesus died for my sins. That is a wonderful thought. But thank the Lord that he rose again. Because if he didn't rise from the dead, it's all in vain. Without the resurrection of Jesus Christ, it's all in vain. And it is that resurrection that imputes his righteousness unto me. That he takes that robe of righteousness and he's able to put it on me when I exercise faith in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And then, the restoring second coming of Jesus Christ. He's coming back again. And you know what? That's still part of the gospel. As a matter of fact, I'm pretty sure that might be the best news of all of the gospel <laughs> is that he's coming back again. And he's not going to leave it this way. And he's going to restore the years that the locusts have eaten. The preacher was already talking about the year of Jubilee. They were showing, they were showing a type and a picture of the fact that Jesus Christ is coming back and he's going to restore it all. He's going to restore it all. That's what Jesus does in the gospel. And then we have our part. that We are, realize that we are a sinner. We come to this realization that our sin has separated us from God. Let me tell you, that's step number one. And unfortunately, as much as I'm trying to move a little quick, the Lord's just helping us out here a little bit. Let me, so many people miss step number one. They really don't ever get broken about their sin. There's a lot of people that come to Christ to turn over a new leaf, to, to, to start over, to maybe make their life a little bit better. Maybe give it some order. Maybe give it some structure. 
I don't know about you, but I hear all of those ads that go on different types of the radio and podcasts that talk about, you know, you need prayer because it brings structure to your life. No, you need prayer because you need to talk to the almighty creator. No, you need prayer because we're wicked sinners uh, and God had every right to destroy us. And until you get to that place where you are saying, oh my goodness, oh Lord, I do not deserve to be in your space. I do not deserve to be in your place. Look how wicked I am. Then you can't get saved until you start right there. You bring one ounce of pride to that bargain, it's over. It doesn't work. You fall on your face. And you say, have mercy on me. I am undone. That's where we start. Realization of sin. Repentance of sin. Guess what? When you get saved, you quit sinning. Not completely. But you quit practicing sin. That's literally what that means. Some of us still like to really practice it, don't we? What's that mean? It means we're, we're pretty good at it, right? But when we get saved, the new man, he's born again, and he competes with the flesh, and we strive to live a new life. Let me tell you, if there's no desire to live a spiritual life, you need to do some examination of whether you have been saved because there is repentance of sin for the believer. Number three, restoration to God. We are brought back into the family. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We are brought back in the family. Oh, what a wonderful place to be. Man, I didn't mean to preach it, but I did anyway. It's a doctrinal dispute. They came to them and said, listen, it's not enough to believe in Jesus Christ. You've got to follow the law of Moses. And you know what? Paul said that is incorrect. Now, so number one, they had a doctrine. The second one that they were dealing with was not a doctrinal dispute at all. What should we do with this man, Mark? Should we take him with us? There, there, you're going to find this all the time, and you need to understand these. There's going to be times when you're, you need to make a decision, and you're going to have to start relying on the Holy Spirit to guide you and work in your life. Because the Word of God doesn't come out and speak about every small detail of the life that you're going to live. The Word of God isn't going to tell you whether it's better to buy this house or that house or to not buy a house at all. The Word of God isn't going to clearly direct you uh, about all of those things. Whether you believe it or not, the Word of God isn't going to tell you who to marry except that they should be a believer. These things, we have to come. And, and so there was... This is why they were so different. Went dead. Preached so long, but done, they done turned me off. Amen? The second one. The second one. They called a council. Look at that. So Paul, in this first dispute, it's such a big deal that he says, let's go get, let's go back to Jerusalem and let's talk about this. This is a big deal. Listen. If when things are of this big of a nature, we need some outside counsel on what these things mean. And that's good. And it's not and it's not gossip. Amen. 
It's not gossip. And that brings me to the second one, and I'm going to move through these quickly. On this one, they called a council on the first dispute, but the second dispute, they didn't call a council. Okay? Paul didn't go around to the rest of the church in Antioch and go, can you believe that Barnabas still wants me to take Mark with him after what he did to us? He didn't do that. He settled that between him and Barnabas. He dealt with it like that. And I think that's so important. When we see huge doctrinal issues inside of the church and we have things that need to be done, then we need to take the time to to meet and we need to move slowly and we need to move cautiously as we move forward, making sure that we do not dilute the gospel of Jesus Christ. But man, if you got a minor dispute, you don't need everybody's help in the church to figure that out, okay? Sometimes you can figure that out on your own. As a matter of fact, maybe you need to figure it out on your own. Because last time I checked, when I went to the book of Peter, you are all priests to Jesus, with Jesus Christ. This is you. I'm not your priest. I don't, we already covered this last Wednesday, amen, or whatever it was last Sunday. You can go to God. You can deal with this. And you know what? It's definitely not for you. Because, and I'm just going to preach it as plain as I can. To go and act like you're getting everybody's counsel when all you're really doing is either gossiping or trying to get people on your side. Or you just want to feel better about your position. If so-and-so will agree with me, then I've got to be right. Paul, and Paul or Barnabas, neither one did that. They dealt with it with who was in front of them with where the issue lied, and they took care of it. Oh, man. Number three. Are you still with me this morning? Okay. Number three. Scripture was given. When we go to this first doctrinal thing, we see that when we come to James, the half-brother of Jesus, and he speaks about this dispute over the gospel of Jesus Christ, he uses the prophets and he speaks of them. When we... We have one authority, right? I don't have to preach this one too long. The, the Word of God speaks on our doctrinal disputations, doesn't it? It does. We have enough in the Word of God to know where we stand on these things. And the Gospel is so clear. The Gospel is clearly presented to us from the Word of God. And I want to keep going on that. But I want to look at dispute number two just for a moment. Because you know what? While they were not invoking the scriptures, they were still invoking biblical principles. And this is interesting when you look at it, because here you have Bar uh, James, or excuse me, Paul, who's like Mark, has been unfaithful and he's disqualified himself from further work. That happens in the in the Word of God, doesn't it? There are those that disqualify themselves from working in certain ministries because of their unfaithfulness. It happens. Did you know that? Boy, I'm not getting many amens on that one, but hey, whatever. But then number two, the Bible teaches us to be forgiving, does it not? And aren't you glad that you got a second chance every once in a while? And so here we have Paul and Barnabas, and they're using biblical principles, and they're speaking to each other about how they should go about this. And that is going to happen from time to time. As a matter of fact, we're going to see that sometimes it's good for us to have all of those types inside of our church. Amen? Because they bring balance to that place. 
We can't just preach love all the time, can we? We've got to preach the wrath of God as well. And we can't just preach the wrath of God. Because sometimes we've got to just let them know Jesus loves them. <laughs> just a simple message. And we need both. We need it all. Anyway, I've got to keep going. I wanted to talk about that, but anyway. They looked at past experience. And here we see that Paul, when the first dispute, he shows them. He says, listen, this is what happened when we preached to the Gentiles. They got saved. They didn't have to follow the law. They didn't have to do all this stuff. They received the Holy Spirit, and it gave witness to us that they were born again. Boom. That's it. So it wasn't just, and this is a little bit important, because you cannot go alone on your past experience. Did you know that? See, we like to do that. That our experience, especially in our modern culture, that our experience is the most important thing. No, the Word of God is the most important. And then your experience can weigh into that. It can have a part. It can. But it's not the main thing. Okay? And again, we know that these two men are also factoring in their past experience with Mark as they make a decision. Okay? Now I want you to notice this one. And, and I'm trying to tie up all the loose ends and be done, I promise. In the first one, a resolution was reached. I'm not going to go and read all that and give it to you, but they reached a resolution. They reached a place where they said, we're, we understand that, the, that the, the Gentile is saved by grace. He does not have to keep the law of Moses. You can go and read it. But they also said he's not going to, he's not going to hinder the Jewish man from keeping the law of Moses. You can go read all that. I can't, I got no time with that. But they reached a resolution. It was a sound resolution and it was a good resolution. As a matter of fact, Mr. Schofield said that what they put down in, in verses number 19 there is absolutely one of the greatest uh, parts of Scripture in the whole New Testament that speaks to us about the church age. It's absolutely beautiful. We haven't got time for all that. But then I want you to look at this in the second disputation that guess what? They did not reach a resolution. They both went opposite ways. And you want to hear something crazy? Sometimes that's okay. Did you know that? You're looking at me like, why would he say that? Guess what? You're not going to get along with everybody. I mean, it's just not going to happen. <laughs> as much as you want to try... As much as you want it to be, sometimes people have to part. I believe that is one of the greatest beauties of what the New Testament has given us in the local church. Is guess what? You're not going to get along with everyone. And so there's a local church for you to serve in. It might be this one, it might be another one. But guess what? You gotta find one. That's your biblical, did you know that? That's your biblical responsibility. I deal with a lot of people and they're like, well, church just got so crazy, so I'm not going to do it. I was like, that's not an acceptable answer. You are a part of the body of Christ universally, and you are a part of the body of Christ locally. That is the way that God has ordained that you should exercise your gifts is in a local church. Amen. That's how it should happen. And it 
if you can't get along with the people at this church, you got to find one where you can. And if you keep finding places, then you might need to do some self-examination and say, what do I need to change so I can get along with people? But you got to find it out. Now listen, all along the way, here's what's super important. Who was, man, this is so good, I just love it. Who was the first person to speak out in this disputation in the first one? It was Peter. Peter said, he alludes to it, but he doesn't really give it. Peter said, I had a vision that God gave me about preaching to those Gentiles. Do you remember that vision? It's in the book of Acts. And what did God say to him? Don't call what I have cleansed common or unclean. I want you to listen to me real carefully here for just a moment. I know that we're a conservative church and a traditional church. But listen, there are a lot of people who are faithful to the gospel of Jesus Christ and they're not doing it the same way we are. Do not call what God has cleansed common or unclean. Do not slight them. Do not put them down. They, they, God has given us a system to operate in that they have a local church. They are going to reach people that you will never reach. They are going to go into places with the gospel that we could never go into. God is going to use them. We should not call them common. Are we going to work side by side with them? Probably not. But God is going to use them. God used Paul and Silas, did he not? And he used Barnabas and Mark. As a matter of fact, you remember the end of the story, don't you? When Paul says... Send Mark. Send Mark. We're going to get there eventually. But then, last I'm done. They reached a resolution on the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because it's that critical. I need to know where they stand on the gospel of Jesus Christ. That nothing be added and nothing be subtracted. What was their issue? They added to the gospel of Jesus Christ. I'm going to be bold enough to say it. There's denominations among us that preach that certain gifts of the Spirit must be exercised for salvation. That's heresy. Not only can I not fellowship with them, i got to call it out. That's hard, isn't it? Why is it that we have a hard time calling out the little stuff, but, or we don't have a hard time calling out the little stuff, but then we don't want to call out the big stuff? It's, I don't know why that is. I was witnessing to someone about a week or so ago, and even in that personal conversation, I found it difficult to call out when they were in error of the gospel. I didn't want to offend. I wanted to be so careful. But eventually I had to make it plain. The gospel is all about Jesus Christ. Folks, we have to make it plain. I know that you're concerned. I don't want you to unduly offend someone because of some minor thing. But if the gospel offends, 
we have to speak the gospel. Dealing with these issues in our life is definitely a matter of maturity, is it not? Isn't it amazing how we see a mature Christian handle these with grace and dignity? But those that have not grown up in the Lord seem to waver and fall away at every small dispute that comes into their life. Let's grow up a little bit and let's be faithful to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Daryl, come around. Give a hymn of invitation. I don't know what kind of hymn you sing after that, but Daryl will do it. I feel like that sermon had a couple different layers to it. felt like you could feel that as well. Maybe you're here this morning and you do have a dispute with someone. Maybe there's an issue. Can we be spiritually mature enough to deal with it? Is it doctrinal? Is it non-doctrinal? There should be peace in the church. There should be unity. But then this one is the one that's burning on my heart today. Is maybe for whatever reason, the gospel's never been really that clear to you. Maybe because you've been a part of a church that's preached something else about it. Maybe you've been in a place that hasn't made it clear that it's by faith in Jesus Christ and Him alone that by this no man cometh unto the Father but by me. Maybe you've never until this morning realized that you needed to be broken about your sin. Maybe you've been doing the work of salvation with pride in your heart every step of the way. And today for the first time you realized that there's been no realization of sin and there's been no there's been no repentance of sin. Oh, I'm not talking about turning from the liquor bottle. I'm not turning turning away from drugs. I'm talking about turning away from pride this morning. That's what I'm talking about. Because we've been in the church our whole life and we're like, I got it figured out. And we bring our pride to it and we never repented over our sin. We never realized we were a sinner. Truly, we never saw ourselves as someone worthy of the destruction of God. And we brought pride to the table every time. May we repent from sin realize it. He's faithful and just to redeem us. Dear Heavenly Father, help us this morning. Use your word of God. Use your message in your wonderful name we pray. Amen. As we stand and sing. How deep the Father's love for us. How vast beyond all measure that he Give his only son to make a wretch's treasure. How great the pain of searing loss, 
there's wounds which mar the chosen one. Bring many sons to glory. Behold the man upon the cross, my sin upon his shoulders. Ashamed I hear my mocking voice call out among the scoffers. It was my sin that held him there. Yeah. 